0: Craft Beer Radio, episode 85, July 30th, 2007.
1: Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss.
0: And I'm Jeff Bear.
1: This week we're doing Belgian wit beer,
0: the Belgian white style. This is the style that was just about extinct in the 60s when Pierre Sellis, working at Hoegaarden, working out of the history texts, reinvented the style that is the wit beer as Garden. And uh, so it's... It's only another. Uh, it's only a forty-year-old style after it's been revived, for,
1: more or less. Now this is an interesting style because it's one of my favorite styles, and it's also a style that I think we're not going to have a problem coming up with ways to describe them.
0: I didn't like whippers for the longest time, and then I think doing the show and expanding my palate got me around whippers. I, I love them now. I just love the flavors in a whippier. This so, is not going
1: to be the like oh this is kind of hoppy and malty. I mean we're going to be able to taste individual spices.
0: Yeah the the beers are typically spiced with uh, coriander and orange peel. So we have a lot of that to describe in here. So which beer do you think we should do first? Well let's start with
1: well, let's start with this one right here. Okay. This is the Blanche de Bru, de Bruxelles, Brussels, <laughs> yes, from the uh, Brassère Lefebvre in Belgium. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I took French, guys. I'm really sorry. This is alcohol 4.5%, and it's brewed year-round. We don't have a lot of information on these, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, just when you do the uh, the Belgian import, uh, the Belgian uh, breweries generally not much technical information and. Uh, no, yeah, none of the breweries really gave us much info this time, so uh skunked. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I smelled skunk when I opened the cap. Not good sign.
1: <sighs> oh no. Maybe we can air it out a bit by looking up the BJCP guidelines for wit beer. Yeah, let's do that. Let's let the beer sit for a sec. Okay, so this is style 16A, for those of you keeping score at
0: home. For the aroma, we have moderate sweetness, often with lightness of honey and vanilla, with light, grainy, spicy wheat aromatics, often with a bit of tartness, moderate, perfumey coriander, often with a complex herbal, spicy, or peppery note in the background. Now, see, to me, that sounds like a whole bunch of everything. Right. Like, what doesn't it have? Well, no diacetyl. It well, sh- everything has no diacetyl, just about. <laughs> it should be
1: very straw to a very light golden color, which this is. It's a little bit foggy. Uh, and it should have a flavor of pleasant sweetness with some orange citrusy fruitiness, a uh, dry, perhaps tart finish, low wheat flavor, and a very light lactic-tasting sourness. Spicy flavors are common but not overpowering. It can taste moderately of coriander and other spices at a more subtle level.
0: Now, I don't know if the uh, style guide there is suggesting what I'm smelling, like giving me suggestions and my brain saying, hey, yeah, I smell that, but I kind of smell a honey in the aroma of this one. Fortunately, the skunk doesn't come through all that much in
1: in the flavor, but it's there in the background, which makes this, this is going to be very hard to actually review.
0: Yeah. It's, ooh, the second sip build upon the first oh, and it's yeah. getting a little more unpleasant. That's
1: unfortunate. This one's gonna have to go into the
0: drain. Yep, it has the uh, mannequin to piss on the front—a little <laughs> peeing statue in the middle of Brussels. It's always good to know. Unfortunately, this
1: happens with European beers. Sometimes they are in bad situations. Unfortunately, and gets to us. We got
0: this the same place where we got that spoiled. Um, Chimay. They. Try to take care. They have, you know, coated light bulbs in their uh, coolers. So, I don't know. Is there any kind of date on this? Best before 1022. Oh, wait. No, best before. Oh, my God. July 3rd, 2008. Oh, wait, no, it's European. Probably, Probably February or March 7th, 2008. And you said we wouldn't have a hard time finding things to say about these beers. Well, unfortunately, the skunk is kind of overpowering all the other See, flavors there. I'm not really getting overpowered on skunk, but it is tasting a little bit off, and it's not all that flavorful. It's just, it, for me, it's just there, there's that skunkiness in the
1: background, and all the places where it's more subtle flavors would come from are just being totally muted by the skunkiness. Mm-hmm. What's there in front is a little bit of wheat, a little bit of, like, pepperiness, not a whole lot of citrus, Maybe a slight tartness to it, but not a whole lot of, like, I mean, I kind of usually expect maybe a little bit of orange or lemon character. I'm not really getting a lot of that. Yeah.
0: Beer does taste a bit watery to me. A little bit. And I'm not sure if that's due to the poor conditions or if it's just a watery uh beer.
1: Speaking of Chimay, we have a funny story about Chimay.
0: Uh, one of the marketing people for Shemay listened to the show. We had that spoiled um, Chimay double, and uh, she wanted to apologize for that. And Which
1: is very nice of her.
0: Yes, and she, so she was going to send us, both Greg and I, sampler packs of Chimay, which is their Chimay glass, and then the white, the red, and the blue, three different kinds of yeah. Chimay. Well, Jen, we want to make we wanna make this clear. I mean,
1: it was great because it means that we're going to get a very good quality Shemay. I mean, mm-hmm. they can't buy us with beer, but at the same time... If they want us to, to I mean they want us to,
0: to appreciate their
1: beer as it's meant to be and that's the best way to get it to us.
0: So they are gonna send us these two little packs of beer and um I got you know, had to go to North Carolina last week and Heather uh, IMs me and it's like What what did you do? There's these two huge boxes outside in front of the garage. And I'm like Uh I don't know. And she's like, They're from Chimay. and a little bit later she opens up and she's like there's Sixteen Sixteen? <laughs> yeah There's sixteen sampler packs I'm like, what? And two big boxes I'm like So I, e- I was going to email Crystal, the, mm-hmm. the marketing lady But I was busy Because I was down in North Carolina was gonna, but, So she emailed me a couple hours later Saying um, Well, it looks like there was a mix-up And the warehouse shit Sent you two cases of sampler <laughs> sampler packs So The very good news for our Craft Beer Radio listeners Is that they didn't want the beer back But instead Gave them, let us donate it For DVD sales For the Craft Beer Radio 2nd Anniversary DVD So not only Do we have great t-shirts from Breweries like East End Brewing Dogfish Head, Trogues, Flying Dog Boulevard Hats from Brooklyn Got some books like The Brewmaster's Table with Garrett Oliver A book about brewing In Kansas City and Beer School Boulevard brewing glasses, we got those dogfish head ladies' panties. But, but now no, we I thought have it was
1: flying dog panties.
0: Oh, yes, flying dog panties, I'm sorry. And now we have a bunch of uh Chimay items where you can win the Chimay Goblet and it may incidentally come with um the rest of the sampler pack. So, um if you were paying attention earlier, you know exactly what you'll get there. So yeah, we have a whole bunch of Shemay to give away. So again, this is for our uh, second anniversary DVD. The, it's $25. You can get the DVD. Yes, we know you can download all the shows off the internet for free. It's more of a way to show your support. Yeah, for listening to the show for the past year and um, for sweetening up the deal this year, giving away all this swag. We got tons of swag. With the Shemay glasses, we might actually have more swag than we have people bought in the DVD so far. Maybe. I'm not sure. We're close. So go ahead and go to our website and uh, go ahead and buy the DVD. We'll put you in the drawing for uh, some of this great merchandise. Good stuff. And uh, like I said, this is our only time we'll be asking for money all year. I'm not sure exactly when we're going to stop nagging you about it, but sometime in the next month or so probably.
1: Yeah. We'll stop nagging eventually, and then you'll have to
0: wait another eight or nine months before we start nagging again. All right, so let's go on to the second beer. This is a beer that we reviewed before, mm-hmm. and then we forgot what we thought about it, and someone called us on it. They went back and listened to an old show and said, well, you really didn't hate it in the old show. So we need to reevaluate uh, Blue Moon Belgian White, which is uh, a beer from Blue Moon Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, which is secret DVA speak as Coors this came from their sandlot, right? Wasn't this originally a sandlot brew? Yeah, originally was. Now this beer in particular is interesting. The label is it's brewed by BMBC Toronto, Canada, imported by a Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Because, no, uh, yeah, isn't Coors and uh, Molson? Yeah, they're oh, they're, they're, a they're a partnership they're now a partnership? or, or oh, a company. So yeah, Molson actually brewed this. Blue Moon in Toronto, well, as long as they keep the
1: same recipe and they brew it right,
0: so we're gonna do this one open minded see if it's a good heck heck it should beat the last with beer shouldn't it it should blue moon's website didn't have much technical detail about their beer other than it's a beer brewed with coriander and orange peel, um, but it had some fun stuff. It had this uh flashy game to to build your own to brew your own beer. So you got the brew kettle and you got some check boxes and you click on the hops and it drops the hops in the kettle and there's these three gauges on the brew kettle that's flavor, a body, and drinkability or something like that. You want the gauges as high as you can. But it's funny because you can pick one kind of hop, one kind of malt, and then you can pick extra ingredients. But coriander wasn't an option. <laughs> Which was interesting, but they had you know the other kinds, the pumpkin and the honey and all this, and then they had the the whatever at the bottom where they had like peanut butter and you know all these just weird things that you normally do not put in beer.
1: Peanut butter would be interesting.
0: I heard the the oils in the peanut butter really mess up the beer, especially if they wreck the head and everything like that. I can see that.
1: I seem to remember something peanut butterish in you know, a beer once. So okay, there we
0: go. On the aroma, I mean, smells fresh and clean. There's nothing stinky about it like the last beer. But I'm there's, not really a bit
1: of an orange. If you really swirl the it radish, you'll, you'll be able to get kind of a, an orange uh, aroma. And it's kind of mass. It, it, it's or, it's in the middle. It's orange and sort of on the sides. There's there's kind of that wheat malt.
0: Really subtle though. I'm not smelling what I typically smell out of a uh, wheat beer. That's for sure. I smell a little bit of malt, a wheatish type malt, but
1: yeah right. it's not kind it, it's not exploding with aroma. It's not particularly exploding with flavor either. It's very aqueous. It has on the side a little bit of tartness and uh in, in the sort of front of the tongue and flaring on the sides is kind of a, a bit of that orange, not getting a whole lot of other spice. It, it kind of
0: ends watery. You know how they normally garnish whipped beers with lemons or oranges? Mm-hmm. And we, I normally... I always take it out. I can see how this subtle wheat beer could benefit from a bit of orange. I mean, And if or there's a like fusion that. of yeah. the extra oils and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It is drinkable, though. Yeah, I mean, what I'm trying to like... While it's not knocking my socks off with flavor, I'm not really picking out anything bad about it. It's a nice... See, calling it a Belgian wheat beer, yeah, it has a little bit of that Belgian yeast type character, but it, if I was, like, mixing two beers, I would say this is, like, 80% American wheat, 20% Belgian wheat, you know? It's just not really where you expect a lot of Belgian whites to be. Well, is this all wheat? Because a lot of these aren't necessarily all wheat. No. A whip beer, or... See... This is wheat and oats. Okay. Um, the proportions on a whip beer I'm not sure of off the top of my head, because I haven't brewed any whip beers. I know for, like, Hefeweizen, you know, those are typically 50%, over 50% wheat. Um, But for a wheat beer, I'm not sure what the proportions are.
1: Right here on this Blanche de de Bruxelles, Mm -hmm. it says uh, barley malt and wheat 40%, so there's an idea. Okay, so
0: theirs was 40% wheat. Yeah, so while this is a drinkable beer, it's not super exciting. Yeah, it's not a
1: particularly exciting one, and I think that's... That's kind of where where Blue Moon loses out to other beers, like for instance a, uh, a Hoogarden
0: or something right. like that. I had a uh, wit beer at North Country Brewing on Saturday, their Nitwit. I'll tell you what, Greg. I've never had a wit beer that is packed that much coriander. It was way too much. Mm. It was so overpowering. I mean, I thought the uh, Southampton Double Wit, Double White. Was crazy. Yeah, when that I drank it. It's pretty crazy, but it's still drinkable. This this nitwit, I, I the brewer wasn't there. Sean wasn't there, and I asked my bartender, and he wasn't sure. I'm like, do you know what the nitwit's supposed to taste like? And he no, he didn't like. He doesn't like wheat beers. Mm. But I'm like, is this normal? I mean, do you have any idea if this is normal or if this is, you know, sometimes like I know Scott uh, Scott Smith from East End Brewing has told us before that, you know, sometimes you can get a new order of spices in, you get some new coriander. It's more potent. So maybe he got a fresh batch of coriander, threw it in, and, whoa, this stuff took off, you know? But, I mean, the, it was just so... It was the opposite of what we're drinking right now.
1: I took a nice big gulp, and I felt a, a good amount of prickly carbonation and coriander on my tongue there. So it's coming through a little bit more after
0: as it's settling down. I, I tried to take a similar big gulp, and well, I got a little bit more flavor. It's... It's hard for me to pick up the coriander in this. If it was missing completely, I'd probably notice the difference side by side. But trying to definitely pick out where it's at is hard for me.
1: We got an email from Soil Boy in Burton-upon-Trent, England. He says he's a relatively new listener and is really enjoying the show so far. We're glad you're enjoying it, Soil Boy. Just a few comments regarding market speak. The same trend occurred over here regarding a food a few years ago, particularly with crisps. Or chips, as you guys call them, suddenly salt and vinegar, a perennial English favorite, became Mediterranean sun-dried sea salt with vintage oak-aged balsamic vinegar, or some crap like that. If you want to see a step out from Marking Speed and take a look at, it. he recommends Garrett B's reviews on Rate Beer. It's poet beer. I took a look at some of those stuff, and he <laughs> he does get into it. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with every one of his reviews, but he is quite prolific, okay, and uh, quite a wordsmith. He also says, "Thank you for educating minds and palates."
0: He goes on to say, "You know, he. Um, I'm sure there's a job for uh, this Garrett B guy at Lost Abbey probably. writing for the website, <laughs>
1: probably because yeah, they're they're wordsmiths as well. And you know, you know, it's also. I'm reminded on I think the, the anniversary bottles from Stone. Mm-hmm. They have ridiculous yeah uh, amounts of text with you have to have a dictionary to look it up, and sometimes that won't even help. Yeah,
0: exactly." So you know, it's funny. We enjoy the the those kind of like the uh, the stone one, you know. But it's not there to to be uh, to sell beer, right? It's there to just confuse. It's and, there. It's entertain. there to give you
1: something to look at while you're drinking the beer. It's there to to have fun with. Yeah, it, it's there for fun. And I can you know
0: we were talking that. about you know where the line is of good uh, last week the email was you know what's good marketing speak versus bad marketing speak and. We talked about it last week, and when I was editing a show, it, it popped. You're like that's it. A phrase like "remarkably f- refreshing" is is what? where it crosses over from useful into useless marketing speak. Okay. Remarkably refreshing.
1: It reminds me a little of a, a complaint that my father has about television shows when they all talk when they talk about on commercials new television shows, and they say all new. Uh-huh. Uh, what is it? Are there any shows that are part new? <laughs> Of course it's all new. Right. We got a couple emails about Texas, because we talked about that on either 83 or 84, about the news story about Texas beers. Uh, Ed Woodward sent uh, some stuff about some local beers. Shiner, of course, which we've had. We didn't really like Shiner Baku. We did really like Shiner Kolsch.
0: Right. My uh, buddy Dave, who just moved back from Texas I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't Because he's not going back to Texas Because he, he's moved up and brought all his stuff I'm like, oh man, you should have brought me some of that China 98 Their anniversary beer they're working in Their ways up to 100 He's like, oh yeah, I've had that He's not. He's the one that learned About me having a baby by listening to the show, (laughs) so he's you know he typically you know he was an Iron City guy, but he must be you know he's drinking beers out of Shiner like Shiner ninety seven Shiner ninety eight. So
1: it's good to expand your horizons. St. Arnold uh, Ed also suggests Houston's local pride and joy that makes several
0: great beers. He says I've heard about St. Arnold. They're um, sound like good stuff. You know, not available here. They're the ones who also uh, when they get a new fermenter. They auction off the naming rights. Oh, right. So that's where uh, actually Scott kind of stole their idea when he got new fermenters and you know helped offset the cost. He didn't make nearly as much as Saint Arnold makes for, uh, <laughs> for their fermenter naming.
1: Give him time. Rar and Sons in Fort Worth, Real Ale in Blanco, and PJ Gustafson also sends us uh, talking about, well, Saint Arnold's again. They occasionally put off a one-off batch called Divine Reserve, which, if you pardon the pun, is heavenly. <laughs>
0: Live Oak and Real Ale. I, You know, I, Greg, I'm not surprised that we said, said something on the air that, you know, oh, there's no good beer in Texas. Have the, well, that the
1: was Texans. what the story said. Again, yeah. it wasn't coming from us. It was right. what the story said. So, But
0: no, we're glad they wrote in and, you know. Yeah, clarified. The clarified their story because, yeah, I mean, we, we really didn't defend, to our knowledge, the story either because we know Shiner's made some good beers. We could have said a little bit, but I think that uh, PJ and uh, Ed here, did a much better job so. Definitely
1: They're much more knowledgeable on that subject mm-hmm. I mean, if they were talking about Pennsylvania beers Maybe we could jump in and say Hey,
0: wait a minute We got this uh, The email from Joe Gonzalez Who was uh, giving you the hear-hear about uh, Genesee crema. Right We've actually got two Genesee emails We got one last week, too um, uh, Do you have that in here? Crappy Seattle Suburb Pete That might be it, yeah who says uh,
1: there's He says uh, in 83 there was a discussion about cream ales and I think you introduced a misconception about what the style is actually supposed to be. I had a negative impression of the cream ale, and it wasn't until I picked up a couple of bottles as part of a case from Pelican on a trip to see my wife's relatives. Even then, it took my wife pushing me to get some of each to buy them. When I tried it, it was really great, to my surprise. Apparently, he says, the style is what ale brewers brew to compete with lager brewers. So... Done well, it's more like a good pills, and some breweries add vanilla to it, like Anderson Valley Cerveza Crema. But that makes it a spice beer and not to style at all. So there you go, there's some information about cream ale. I actually went to Three Sons and tried to find Genesee, mm-hmm. no good. I went to D's, tried to find Genesee, okay. no good. I got um there was a Irish cream ale in a okay. can, I all forget right. which one that was. And Sirius from Lagunitas, both females. Right. Sirius really, is
0: a bit imperial, and I wouldn't really call that to style.
1: None of those gave me the taste I was looking for. Okay. went down to Maryland to see if I could find Genesee. Can't find it. Now, so.
0: Joe Gonzalez, who also wrote in telling us about Genesee, says that um, he's at a carnival looking for some good beer. Needless to say, there's not much available. Labatt and crap like that. And then he had a Genesee lager, and uh, to surprise, it was one of the best American macro lagers he's had in a while may they drink it every white? No. But it was a very full-bodied and quite drinkable. And he goes on to tell us that Genesee also puts out some beers under the High Falls name, including a porter and an IPA, which are not bad. And then he offers to uh, send us the beer. So we could get a Jenny Cream Ale.
1: I would love to try Jenny Cream Ale. And man, I'd love
0: man. to try High Falls Brewing's craft styles, a porter, you know, an IPA. It'd be interesting to see what a larger regional brewery can do. I always like to see what they can do when they try to do something like a porter and IPA.
1: Definitely would love to try some Genesee again because it's a, it's a taste I remember from the past that I can't really find anymore.
0: Can we go on to another beer? Yes, indeed. So let's go with the Bernardus. So we have St. Bernardus Beer Blanche Whitbeer.
1: St. Bernardus, of course, we loved their triple. We thought their quad was okay for a quad. Right. And this one is their Whitbeer.
0: I didn't even realize they made a Whitbeer. I was looking through um, the thi- I was at Three Suns uh, Friday. Trying to find beers And uh, I'm like Oh we could do whipped beers Here's a couple beers they almost a made show And I'm like Oh my god St. Bernardus makes one I well, didn't realize it Wow It's an it's interesting Spicy aroma Coming from this Again uh, uh,
1: This one is actually More of a yellowish straw Than a golden straw Very peppery Phenolic aroma Coming from that Coriander.
0: Yeah, that's that's the aroma that I'm expecting off a of whippier right there. That has a little bit let's let me try to figure out how it differs from the other ones.
1: Well with the bloomer we kinda taste we you really have a lot of aroma. It, it was subtle, very subtle, and right. what you got was a little bit of of wheat and a little uh, bit. Of I think the phenolics citrus.
0: is really the big difference in the aroma in this one. It has a little more peppery in the aroma, a little more bite to the aroma there.
1: And of course the blanche de Bruselle just sort of was skunky. Now, this is, There's all the flavors that are supposed to be in a Whitbeer. This is what you really are expecting when you when you come to a wit beer. This is a very spicy version of a wit beer, Because right at the forefront is all that spice. Yeah, I think. Uh, a peppery and, and coriander. That kind of goes as a wave over your tongue. And then you're hit in the end with all... The, it, it's not orangey so much as lemony, mm-hmm. this one. Uh, and then, then the wheat kind of comes through and adds a bit of a
0: sourness. Do you think this has a little more... Phenols and pepperiness than your average whip beer?
1: I think so. Okay. I'm
0: actually a little bit surprised by the amount by how spicy it is. It does have a little bit of flavor. It tastes a little more Hefeweizenish than a lot of whipped beers do. Don't you think? Yeah, because I think that it's a little bit drier than Whitbeers. There's a yeah, there's a there's a creaminess to the flavor too that, you know, a Hefeweizen typically has. That really creamy, peppery flavor. And this has a little bit of it's reaching into that category a little bit, I think. It's hard to call it velvety because it's it's got so much carbonation
1: that it mm-hmm. really cuts through any of that. But it does feel... I guess creamy is an, an apt description. Right. Not in terms of flavor, but in terms of texture mm-hmm. from the underlying uh, liquid there. Exactly. So there's an interesting news uh, report here about the premier craft brewery in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at least what they call themselves. That's what what they is call themselves. Yards Brewing. They are moving.
0: They are uh, moving, slash splitting up, slash going their separate ways. Tom Kehoe is the founder of Yards Brewing. Uh, we met him at the All-American Beer Fest. We talked mm-hmm. with him. I don't think we interviewed him on the air, but we talked with him. He's taking Yards and his recipes and all that stuff and moving to a new location. Meanwhile, um, Nancy and Bill Barton are going to be opening a new brewery. And I'm not sure if he's doing it at the current Yard's location or not. And this could be a good thing. This could be one good Philadelphia brewery. Turning into two. Turning into two good bre- Philadelphia breweries. So that's never a bad thing. And it's not like all their beers are going the Philadelphia Pale Ale. You know, there's... N- I've yet to find a beer in the market that is similar to that Right. One. So it'll be great that the Philly Pale Ale is still around. And this would certainly explain why Nancy emailed me back and says they don't have a single shirt to donate to our DVD giveaway. Because <laughs> <laughs> I emailed her a couple weeks ago and, and she's like, yep oh, we don't have anything to give you, sorry.
1: So that's, uh, so you should still be able to find yards assuming they don't get like maybe a new distributor. Is there going
0: to be a production lull? Or, actually I doubt that, Vicini, well, I mean, here in Pittsburgh Vecini's distributor, I doubt that They'd be switching from anywhere else. Now, here's an interesting thing. Tom Baker from Heavyweight has been storing some of his beers, like the spontaneously fermented New Jersey beer that he made, uh-huh. in Yards' uh, cellar. So now he needs a, you know, he's going to have to find a new home for his... uh. Well, I mean... Yeah, I'm sure it can go with one of the two right. companies, but... As soon as I read the article, I'm like, Tom, you can bring your beers here... <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to store it? A couple barrels of uh, spontaneous from New Jersey beer. Hey, we can give that out with DVDs. There we go.
1: Now, this is another news story about... Uh, this is one of those press releases from Anheuser-Busch, but it's about the Here's the Beer campaign about how uh, they did a latest Gallup poll that shows that 64% of Americans who consume alcohol
0: say that beer is their beverage of choice. So, yay beer. I think that's that's interesting. If it's... I know that beer, beer in general Has been losing ground to wine And that's one of the reasons That Anheuser-Busch is changing To a more sophisticated image Is because not necessarily To appeal to the craft beer drinkers But to appeal to the people Who have stopped drinking beer Because wine's sexier mm-hmm. So this kind of caters To those people Who beer is too crude Wine is more sophisticated I think that's what this press release is for not really targeted to us at all
1: No, but I just figured I would point it out Because it's kind of a slow news week anyway Right
0: got a couple other emails here Before we get on to the last beer of the evening we got a uh, email from Alexander in Montreal And um, he wants to know uh, Whose personality is rubbing off on whom here <laughs> Sounds like you guys have developed the co-host thing To a new level I think he was referring to uh, last week's show Towards the end where I got a little bit more opinionated When you were trying to do your rankings <laughs> Trying to be a little bit more Greg-like uh, I wouldn't expect that all the time. I I, I did joke with Alexander Mike, tune in to episode 85, Crossfire Beer Radio. Right. <laughs> I'm wearing the bow tie tonight.
1: He also suggests that we should do a show or two on session beers pretty soon. If we can find them, we'd love to.
0: I think he was more so suggesting that so he wouldn't be as uh, blitzed at the end of the blitzed, show. Well, I think that's why he was suggesting that.
1: Again, if we can find them, we'd love to. <laughs> it's... A lot of beers, and this is, I would like to bring this subject up again because I didn't really get a lot of feedback on it, or any feedback, really, and I think it's something interesting to talk about because craft beer is starting to approach that level, that interesting mid-level where it gets popular enough that marketing pressure starts to apply to craft brewers in the sense that... I really do think that craft brewers are, are going to be brewing a lot of high alcohol, high gravity stuff because that's what sells more. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a bit of a backlash against craft brewers from people who say they sold out. Sold out for
0: for selling, for, for making double IPAs? Sold out mm-hmm. for being getting too big. Uh, craft, Oh, you mean just brewers in general getting big? I I don't know. I mean, I think breweries like New Belgium, Sierra Nevada, Anchor, have kind of um, fought that battle. And I don't think it's going to be as bad as you're suggesting, cause, because other breweries have already done it. I think that, you know, Sierra Nevada, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, they've sold out. And then there's breweries that have literally sold out, like uh, Red Hook or something right. like that. But, I mean, you hear a lo- you hear it all the time that people say oh yes yeah, Sierra Nevada is not nearly as good as it used to be and i think we've talked about this before half me, i think i i always ask myself how much is it how much of that is fondness of memory right was was Sierra Nevada really that much better or was it your memory making it better over time or was it like we suggested this about Red Hook maybe Red Hook ESB is exactly the same but 15 years ago there was no other tremendous ESBs right. to compare it to, so it was a good ESB. And now you have all these other ESBs around that have just become, you know, better ESBs, quote unquote. That Red Hook doesn't seem as good anymore.
1: Okay, so maybe the sold out argument is a good, isn't a good argument, or maybe it's one that's already been covered. But the idea that market pressure is going to force a lot of these brewers to really brew more high gravity stuff and a lot
0: less—it's an interesting question because you, you could say market pressure. But I mean, the true market pressure is to to cater to macro drinkers. But there's like a sub market pressure you got about the the guys who are woohoo, give me the strongest stuff you can find, the most flavorful, the most puckering, the most insane, blow your ears out hoppiness. You know,
1: there's still a part of the brewer who wants to be able to to brew stuff that sells, mm-hmm. not just brew stuff that. They want to brew because they don't want to have it lingering in the back that no one buys it, right? And have to throw yeah, it out. I think a later. good
0: example would be Southern Tier at the moment, where they have this whole new series of these imperial imperial IPA, thirteen percent, uh, Uber Sun. It's right. an, their imperial. Their, it was an American wheat that was already IPA hopped, and now it's, they did an imperial version of it. They have an imperial extra pale ale. They have um, just all these beers they're putting out are just big 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 give me a another Finn and Matt's type beer you know a nice mild one and it, it's uh, I can't drink the unearthly IPA at 13% <laughs> it just it's good but is that whole uh, sobriety quotient we've talked about before when you know you drink a bomber and you're going to be blitzed out of your mind it's it's not that good enough to waste all that sobriety on just
1: my opinion I don't know. Well, let's get our last beer of the night here. This one sounds pretty exciting. We'd love to get your opinions on that one, by the way, so send in your emails about that. This is the Mothership Wit from New Belgium Brewing Company. It's an organic wheat beer. Fortunately, you know, these are all kind of session beers. None of these are higher than 5.5%. Oh, yeah. So
0: That's good stuff tonight.
1: Although I have an idea for a beer we can do if if we feel like we have some time to do it, which we might. Maybe we can talk, do a beer that you just mentioned.
0: We could do that. Or I have another beer that's spiced with coriander and, and orange peel, but in, instead it's uh, Belgian strong ale. I
1: don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm iffy. I'm, I really do want to try the
0: Uber Sun. so... With a little bit of agitation, you can start to pick out some of the weed aroma in this one. But overall, it's just a, a clean aroma in the beer. It's really, really hard to pick out much of anything. It's
1: really weird, because the, the very first thing I smelled was, was sewer drain.
0: And no, I'm looking at
1: then that. that went away completely So I don't know why that was there Maybe a little bit of residual Funk or something But that's gone completely now
0: Okay, so we're drinking the Mothership Whip from New Belgium And the first flavor I got was Not nearly as full as the uh, St. Bernardus Whip beer and, and again, it's it's subpar, I think. It's not up there with most of the whippers that we've had, um, and it it has a bit of the. Uh, There's a bit of a
1: funky flavor there,
0: getting funky. What I'm getting is it's very very earthy I'm, I'm flavor. Hardly, in the I'm hardly an expert on everything New Belgium, but I'm getting a taste that is very reminiscent of uh, Fat Tire and 1554. So. You wouldn't I don't know if they you'd think they'd use beer yeast for the Whitbeer, but this one's really not that spicy. So they might be using a house yeast for this one. I don't know if you've had any of them recent you know, recent enough to no, really draw a comparison. I
1: haven't, but, but now I'm still I'm getting kind of a I'm trying to place that that flavor because I want to describe it in, in a way that, that makes sense. It's a very earthy uh, and somewhat of an off flavor that's hitting me kind of right in the back where my molars are.
0: Okay. So this beer is has, uses organic coriander orange peel, wheat malt. doesn't say the hops are organic. It does say that there's a uh, citrus and sour flavors Held in suspension They they use the whole alien abduction type You know, puns in here or the, uh, So it's um, Alluring taste is the result of a gravitational balance Of citrus and sour flavors Held in suspension by the bright burst of carbonation Mothership along, along the name Of New Belgium's Brewing's facility Has grown to encompass the brewery Sustainable approach to doing business In terms of flavor, it's beer, definitely the,
1: got the, more flavor than Blue Moon, yeah. but in terms of...
0: The beer's plenty fresh. It is, it's uh, good to October 26th.
1: But in terms of enjoyability, I think I might actually enjoy Blue Moon more.
0: You know, I was thinking the same kind of thing. Unfortunately, I really want to like these New Belgian beers. We had um, Brian Klauser send us this beer. He sent us a whole bunch of different Blue Moons. So we're going to get to try a bunch of different ones other than the Standard Fair.
1: A bunch of different New Belgians, you mean? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> Yeah, New Belgiums. So he sent us a skinny dip and two below, I think, and and several others. So it'll be really. There's one brewed with goji berries. Oh, really? Wormwood, goji berries, and something I never heard of.
1: Wormwood too, huh?
0: Yeah, so it's gonna be like absinthe. Woohoo! Start hallucinating on the show. I wish that was true. That absinthe made you hallucinate. I know. Again, it's a good hot drinker, but it's with beers. I want to be a little more complex.
1: I don't know, I'm I'm really not enjoying it very much.
0: Do you find anything wrong with it, or just lack of stuff to enjoy?
1: It kind of tastes like a a wet sponge to me. Hmm. Just getting a kind of weird sort of almost rubberiness from the flavor.
0: Okay, Uh, I think that's what I'm tasting that reminds me of what I'm maybe incorrectly calling it house flavor from New Belgium. The more I drink this, the more I do suspect they're using the same yeast they use, because it's not really a spicy whip beer type yeast. And, um, it could explain why it tastes similar to Fat Tire and not the whole beer, but the yeast type character is similar to Fat Tire and 1554.
1: I'm kind of disappointed. I was really looking forward to this show.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I am too. I... I thought, you know, I'm getting all these Belgian wit Because we were going to do three And then I realized the one wasn't technically a wit beer But it did have the coriander And then I saw we had the mothership So I threw that guy in And uh, overall, not a, not the most enjoyable show We got an email from uh, Jim from uh, New Jersey Who uh, commutes to New York and listens to, listen to the show He found our ad in Draft Magazine And speaking of which Speaking of which, if you uh, want to check out Draft Magazine, you can go on our website and get a subscription for $8 off the uh, the retail price. There's a link on the top of our website. And um, he had a question for us, and I didn't really answer him in the email because I figured it was a good discussion topic. And that was uh, the ca- quality and the flavor characteristics we see from drinking beers in bottles versus on tap.
1: Well, I think I need a beer in order to discuss this. Yeah, I think
0: we should go get one more beer before to wrap up the
1: show. So we have Hopson or the Uber Son,
0: The, the imperial big brother of Hopson. Right.
1: Okay, so the question from Jim, again, was what is our take on the quality or characteristic differences we see in drinking a craft beer from a bottle or from a tap? And my impression may be different from your impression, but from a tap, it's probably going to be a bit of a younger beer. It's going to be a bit fresher. Absolutely. But if you get it fresh from the bottle, like really fresh, and it's it's Mm bottle-conditioned, I find that bottle-conditioned beer tends to even taste a little bit better than on the tap.
0: Um... I guess there is situations in general draft beer is going to be a lot fresher than bottled beer. So that can help out a lot with the, the flavor that you get out of the beers. Typically you'll notice a difference in the carbonation levels on the two where I think draft beer is usually a little lower in carbonation which might help a little more flavor bleed through and not get scrubbed off by the uh, the CO2. Oh, definitely bottle conditioned beers will uh, chur right. over, over time and, and change and have a Bit of a science experiment going on in the bottle and be able to test it at different times. You have several.
1: I would love to do a test, a blind test between a tapped one and a bottled one, particularly a bottle that was very new, very fresh. If we could find a time to do that, Mm -hmm. it would be very interesting.
0: You know, with Mad Max nearby, we could certainly do something like that. Yeah, Greg is smelling the uh, Uber Sun. And uh realizing my God, this is a an i p a with wheat or something, you should have
1: seen my mouth just go from like a introspective I'm listening to Jeff to a very, very big smile.
0: It's not hitting me right though, after drinking all these whipped beers. It's like Belgian, 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 raucous American, <laughs> man wow that that's
1: that's a lot of hops for a it certainly wheat beer. Is, yeah, it's whew, there's a nice bit of sweetness there too, which I'm digging. But the wheat is giving it a bit of a
0: bit of a kind of peatiness at the end there. I, I I'm really not in the right mindset to to, to review this beer. Well, I'm not going to review it because yeah, it's I mean not, I'm just saying yeah. that to talk about it, it. It's not what I expected the drink. It's not what my Tongue once right now, to be honest, I mean it, when I drink it, it tastes good, but I don't want to drink more of it because it's just not what I'm in the mood for right now.
1: <laughs> it's it's a difference. It is a difference. Well, in terms of these beers we drank, let's go ahead and rank. I guess uh, I'm going to go with Saint Bernardus as number one because I think that was definitely the most enjoyable of the night. Saint Bernardus wins again. Who would have thunk it? They uh, they know what they're doing. There was a little a little bit of like. A little bit overspiced, in a sense. I don't know how well it would win against something that we... It, it
0: had... A, the phenols in it were a little bit overboard for the average whip beer.
1: Like, against uh, a Hulgarden or something like that, it probably wouldn't win. I think Hulgarden, when we last had it, mm-hmm. it really shocked us by how great it was. No,
0: the St. Bernard's was really good, so judging for style and, and judging for what's a good beer, it could be two different things, too. Right. It might not be best per style, still was really good. Number two,
1: Blue Moon. Blue Moon gets the win because while it wasn't exactly a very flavorful concoction, it also wasn't uh, any... There were really no negative parts to it.
0: Right. I, I agree with you so far. The uh, I can name a ton of whip ears I like better than Blue Moon, but on tonight's show, it ranks pretty good. And I couldn't say anything bad about it, other than it could use more spicing. A little more oomph. And, you know, if I... Ever I'm in the situation where I'm at the restaurant and I order a Blue Moon, it comes with an orange in it?
1: Might I keep might, the orange with I it, I might yeah. throw the
0: orange in the glass with, for that, just to give it a little bit more uh, citrus flavor.
1: And it might be something like sticking an extra, like a, a live hop into a into a beer It'll mm-hmm. just give a little bit more of that essence that you want. Uh, okay, I'm going with the Mothership next because there were a couple off flavors in there. There was some weird kind of rubberiness, but it wasn't skunked. So that gives it number three.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, too. And, I, uh, the Mothership Wit, I thought it was a good
1: drinkable one. And number four, just... And I don't know if we can really call this a, a judging
0: because it was skunked, and that hurt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if I could see through the beer, it just seemed really watery. Yeah. And it might not be watery when it's a good bottle, but if we can take out the off-flavors, I still think it was a really watery beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you next
1: week for another incredible podcast.
0: <laughs> Best podcast you'll listen to this year, guaranteed. Or your money back.
1: An all-new podcast that is ridiculously refreshing.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. We appreciate that you download the show every week and give us a listen. We'll be back next week with some more Belgian stuff. Not sure exactly what. Don't sound so sad about the podcast. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening to Craft Beer Radio.
1: That's all for Craft Beer Radio. Send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com or check out our website, craftbeerradio.com, for forums and more information. Our music, opening and closing, were Out of Towners by the band St. Dragon, available from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is licensed under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeeradio.com for more information. Party on it.